Amen. Hey, once again, we are in our study, Voodoo, Vampires, and the Rise of Demon Worship. And we have been in here for about 800 years, or I don't know how long it's been. Uh, but we have been taking a, a tour. We started at the very basics, demon worship. What are you kidding? Is, is, are those things real? Yes. That's why we dealt with the existence, Old and New Testament. God's very plain about that. Also, God told us about the character of the demons. Hello, it's not good. They're just like Satan out to uh, destroy. And then we even saw the tactics. God tells us in advance how they're going to come at you, how they're going to mess with you. And isn't that wonderful of God to do? I mean, he could have just said, well, hey, I hope you do okay. He told us exactly what they're going to do, and he gives us the ability to deal with it biblically. Okay, And then the last seven times, who's counting? I am. We dealt with the history and the history of vampires and, and demon worship and voodoo and all that stuff. Uh, is We saw that it's coming not only into the world. You kind of almost expect that because they don't know Christ. I don't condone it whether you expect it. But even in the church, how in the world did we get in this mess where demon worship, contact, communication, spirit possession is not just in the world, it's even in the church. How, what happened? So that's why we did that historical uh, study. But not only that, then we saw it branched out from there into other entities uh, that is also encouraging people uh, to seek out communication, to literally be possessed by demons and try to get truth from them. And that was... Uh, the issue of voodoo, and that's where we're at. Now, last time if we were here, we just took, if you will, a jet tour. We took a wide swath just to kind of get you acquainted with this thing called voodoo, okay, and its practices and beliefs and behaviors. But tonight, we're going to begin the journey, okay, okay, where did it start? How did it start, okay, and how did it get around the world, okay? But once again, before we get into that journey, let's remind ourselves once again what God says and you tell me if he's going to bless anyone, any nation, anything who ever gets involved in these practices. I kind of think no, uh, but let's take a look at what this scripture has to say. Isaiah 47 is our text tonight. Isaiah 47, we're going to read the whole chapter, believe it or not. And it's dealing with Babylon, right? And as you turn there to Isaiah 47, verses 1 through 15, just to get you a little context here, God used Babylon, okay, as a disciplinary rod upon the Jewish people. They went into captivity, Right? You have Babylon, Assyrian, those two captivities, right? And because why? God's people got out of line. God's people did not do what he said to stay separate from the world. They got involved in the rotten practices, including the occult practices. And God basically had enough and says, that's it. You're going into captivity. Now, but a lot of people say, well, that's not right. How come? But listen, God doesn't play favorites, right? He may use even a secular entity as a method, a rod of discipline. But if they get out of line, what's he going to do? He's going to discipline them too. And that's what you're going to see here in Babylon. God used them as a tool of discipline. But guess what? They went wrong. They went south. They got haughty. They got involved in the cult. And God says, guess what? Your time's coming too. And we know history. That's exactly what happened to the Babylonian empire. But let's take a look. Isaiah 47 says this. Go down. Sit in the dust, virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground without a throne, daughter of the Babylonians. No more will you be called tender or delicate. Take millstones and grind flour. Take off your veil, lift up your skirts, bare your legs and wade through the streams. Your nakedness will be exposed and your shame uncovered. I, God speaking, will take vengeance. I will spare no one. Our Redeemer, the Lord Almighty is his name, is the Holy One of Israel. Sit in silence. Go into darkness, daughter of the Babylonians. No more will you be called queen of the kingdoms. I was angry with my people, the Jewish people, and, and, and desecrated my inheritance. Again, he used Babylon to, to do that, to discipline. I gave them into your hand, and you showed them no mercy. They went over the line too much, right? And even on the age, you laid a very heavy yoke. You said, I will continue forever, the eternal queen. But you did not consider these things or reflect on what might happen. If God's going to punish them, you don't think he's going to punish you? 
Now listen, now then listen, you wanting creature, lounging in your security and saying to yourself, I am and there is none besides me. I will never be a widow or suffer the loss of children. Both of those will overtake you in a moment on a single day. Loss of children and widowhood, they will come upon you in full measure in spite of your many what? Sorceries and all your what? Potent spells. You have trusted in your wickedness and said, no one sees me as if God is blind. We don't play that game today, do we? Yeah. Let that one sink in. Your wisdom and knowledge misled you when you say to yourself, I am and there's none beside me. Disaster will come upon you and you will not know how to conjure it away. Notice the play on words he's, he's uh, telling him. A calamity will fall upon you, but you cannot ward off with a ransom. A catastrophe you cannot foresee will suddenly come upon you. Keep on then with your magic spells and with your many sorceries, which you have labored at since childhood. Perhaps you will succeed. Perhaps you will cause terror. All the counsel you have received has only worn you out. Let your astrologers come forward. Those stargazers who make predictions month by month, let them save you from what's coming upon you. Surely they're like stubble. A fire will burn them up. They cannot even save themselves from the power of the flame. Here are no coals to warm anyone. Here is no fire to sit by. That is all they can do for you. They have that Those you have labored with and trafficked since childhood, each of them goes on in his air. There is not one that can save you. How many guys would say that Babylon's in trouble with God? Right? Okay. And basically, what's the context? He, he says it, and he's even mocking them for it, if you will. Okay. He's basically saying, because you went over the line, not only in your treatment of Israel, but you also thought in your haughty, in your arrogance, that I am God, I, I'm going to be like this forever. And, you know, I'm at the top of the hill. And they were involved in what? Occult practices. Okay, basically, the message is, you get involved in that. We saw the word before, defiled. You're going to get defiled. Okay. It turned into something disgusting. Your life is going to get disgusting, a person or a nation. But now, basically, what God is saying, you're also going to get, what? You are doomed. And you're doomed because you are headed for judgment. God doesn't care who it is. He doesn't play favorites, folks. Whether it's his people, whether it's the world, you get involved in occult practices, sorcery, casting spells, conjuring fortune, telling all the things he called out there, including astrology. And he says, you're headed for judgment. It's coming. And you ain't going to be able to stop it. Sooner or later... It's going to happen. And dare I say, including our own country. Right? You don't think God saw what went on again with the Grammys? We're in a heap of trouble as a nation, folks. We're spitting, you know, thumbing God in the face. It's not good, okay? But that's why we're going to continue to take a look at voodoo because that's what this practice is all about. And it's in many different nations, including, believe it or not, all over the United States. It's being encouraged. I just had uh, somebody give me a, last week, a, took a phone shot. They were traveling at one of the gas stations, a whole big, gigantic rack, not a small rack, a big, giant rack full of just voodoo dolls and this and all. It's everywhere, right? Okay, but God says, listen, you get involved in this, you're going to get defiled, and you're doomed. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you start out as a Christian nation. You're headed for judgment, okay? So now we're going to begin the journey tonight to see. We know about voodoo. That was the overshot last time but now we're going to see how and where did all this start okay and where it all started is this place west africa okay west africa okay and there it's not known as we would spell it voodoo that's kind of like the american version uh it's voodoo v-o-d-u-n okay was the original one it's the african religion that ended up in the caribbean but then it spread to other parts of the world through the slave trade. And we'll probably get into that next time uh, as it did that. Now, it started with these people, okay, the Fon people. 
Okay? And they were very fond of all kinds of things. Unfortunately, they got fond of occult practices. And you make this funny. Come on, work with me. Anyway, that's right. Now, let me w- work with this one. And I'm not making this up. The Fong people and the name of their kingdom was, guess what? Dahomey. <laughs> Jackie Yo-Yo, where are you when I need you? The do- yo- right? Dahomey. But today, it's not Dahomey. It's been relabeled. It's called Benin. Okay, Benin. So this is the birthplace, basically, of voodoo, which, by the way, is still practiced by the whole country there and the surrounding West African countries, which include southern and central Togo, Ghana, and Nigeria. But let's take a look at the birthplace of voodoo. In the West African country of Benin, where voodoo was born, it is an official religion. Voodoo's exact origins are elusive, but it is said to have evolved out of the region's traditions of ancestor worship and animism. Aza Ganun is a third-generation voodoo priest and healer. He treats patients and presides over rituals in a shrine of the earth spirit. Aza sees the benefits of voodoo everywhere. If the people are sick and we invoke voodoo, they are cured. If some people don't have enough money, we employ voodoo so they will get money. In the local language, Fawn, voodoo means spirit. While practitioners believe in only one true God, they communicate with him through thousands of different spirits and shrines. Even for a priest, it can be dangerous to disobey a spirit's wishes. Years ago, a spirit demanded that Aza's daughter, Asiba, become a medium, a vessel for the deity. But Aza wanted his daughter to get a modern education. At first, he disobeyed the spirit's commands. But over time, Aza realized the spirit was thwarting his plan for his daughter. She didn't understand what the teachers were saying, and she couldn't hear when the teachers spoke to her. So I consulted the oracle and learned that if she did not become a voodoo worshiper, then she would never find a good path in life. For his daughter to achieve her potential, Aza has to let her become a medium. This forest harbors the earth spirit, Sakpata. Here is where Asiba's journey begins. It was our grandfather's worship voodoo and passed it on to us. Now our daughter wants to worship voodoo. Supreme God, we leave the rest up to you. Suddenly, the spirit claims Asiba's body, overcoming her. A series of ceremonies purifies Asiba's physical self. With his daughter revived and reborn, Aza feels enormous relief. Now that my daughter is resurrected, I can relax. My body is relaxed. She woke up from the world of the dead, and now the spirit is in her. You just saw a girl get demon-possessed. It was considered a great thing, an honor to her father. Still going on to this day. 
It makes me cry too. <laughs> you think about it. This is, and, and, and that quote, listen to this. Voodoo is completely normal in Benin. That's common. That's not the average. That's, they're not doing this out, you know, well, a million miles away in some secret laboratory. It's open. So this is that whole country, that whole area in West Africa. It isn't just where voodoo came from. They still do it to this day. It's completely. And we're talking what? Demon worship, demon interaction, demon possession. Sad. But that's what it is. And again, it's all about voodoo means what? Spirit. The, whole, the name itself means spirit. Of course, what does the Bible call it? Demon. The whole thing wraps around, i got to get connected with the demon. And if I can get one inside of me, then I can become valuable in the community. Who needs an education? But this is what's going on to this day, okay? In fact, people across West Africa, not only in Benin, but Togo, Ghana, Nigeria, hold similar beliefs. But in Benin, listen, voodoo is recognized as an official religion, okay? It's openly practiced, as you just saw, in Benin. Uh, and roughly, listen to this, 60% of the population of that country is full on into this. How many of you guys want to go there for your next vacation? You need to go there for a missionary trip. I'll tell you what, you're right, Pastor Bobby. Voodoo, or Vodun, was officially recognized as Benin's official faith in 1996. We would consider, which we all laugh at, but we say, oh, we're a Christian nation. They literally say, we're a voodoo nation. Still to this day. They even have a voodoo day, which is a public holiday. Uh, there's a voodoo national museum. And watch, I, uh, this was wild. I'm like, is this real? And it, it is. They have their version over there in their country of MTV. Okay? But you know what kind of songs they have? This is an MTV over there in Benin, an MTV star. She's a star, like on the MTV, their version, except they're singing voodoo songs. This is their version of MTV. Watch this. This is nuts. for the at the fetish place where they sell the kind of joking but then maybe not that's like their mtv you turn on hey let's watch mtv that's what you get over there can you imagine a nation that would use a music channel to promote a cult activity (laughs) or even their entertainment industry can you imagine a nation whose whole entertainment industry practices and promotes a cult. You wonder why it's getting dark here. And I deliberately waited to say that until after we saw that to set you for the bait. We're doing the same thing, folks, on a massive scale. And you wonder why it's getting dark. What did God say? You're doomed. You're going to get defiled. And our country is doing it. Uh, Again, voodoo, they got their national holiday, voodoo day. It's a bank holiday. 
Uh, and they have a kind of, for that holiday, ooh, well, wait till we get to this, a Mardi Gras. We don't practice voodoo here in America. We don't celebrate it on an annual basis like a voodoo day. What do you think that is? Wait till we get to that study. They have parades, music, dancing, lots of color in Benin, but we'd never do it here. It's also celebrations take place in a place called Uda, which is considered the home of Bodun spirits and supposed to be a magical, sacred voodoo forest. Voodoo Bodun is uh, it's got none of the negative connotations that we would have. And I quote, this is a direct quote, and this is a secular article. And many of those who practice it, what you just saw, are, quote, officially Catholic and Muslim. And they just incorporate this into the belief system. And like, how could they merge those things together? You're going to see in a big time scale tonight, especially with Catholicism, it slides in perfectly. Okay, but all they did was just change the label of these voodoo practices. It's crazy. But voodoo's got some practices and beliefs. Okay, and this is West Africa. This is where it all began. So let's begin to break it down. They believe in what's called animism. Okay, animism, okay, is a huge part of their whole uh, belief system. And notice the guy there uh, frothing at the mouth. Why would he do that? Well, obviously he ate chicken. That's a given. But other than that, okay, why is he froth? Well, what do we see in the Bible? When people get possessed, what do we see in the scripture? That's one of the characteristics that happens when, and this is, this, remember, this whole thing's all about, the goal is to get demon-possessed, right? It's crazy, but you see that, and they think it's a good thing. But it's based on animism. Animism basically believes that there's a, quote, impersonal power that is in all objects of all nature, okay, uh, including water sprites. Sprite, Sprite, what's Sprite? Water, Sprite, Sprite. Uh, vegetation deities, you better eat that broccoli. No, you better not. Uh, tree spirits, okay, but they believe that very spirits inhabit and influence the world and that these spirits, demons, okay, can be influenced to, quote, here's the whole goal. You're going through all these rituals. We see some tonight, all these methodologies you see tonight because everything's got this animism, this, this line for it, and then you, you can get it to what? Serve you. But that's a lie. Demons may do things for you, but it's all to bait you. And you don't want to mess with them. Okay, but that's what it is. It's at the same time, it's what's called pantheistic animism. Pantheistic, which means pan means all, all God, theos, theos, God, all God, that all is God. But it's also at the same time polytheistic, meaning many, that there's many gods at the same time. Animism, of course, comes from the Latin word anima, which is where we get the word breath or spirit or life. Okay, and it's a belief that, listen, it isn't just water sprites and vegetation deities and tree spirits, but even objects. Places and creatures all have this spirit uh, in them, okay, that you can tap into to serve you and things of that nature, including animism teaches this. Even, watch this, very important, even words are spiritual, animistic, and that words can be used to serve you. Okay, and again, as we saw before, that's why it's important to make sure you get the spelling correct in your witchcraft words, because the words they believe in the occult have power. This is animism, is all it is. They have power to serve you, to do certain things, certain words, certain powers. And shocker, this is why charismatics today teach a false teaching. That you better watch out for the power 
of your words because they have the power of life and death. You know what that is? That's animism. Straight out of the occult, man. It's exactly straight what Buddha believes. Okay? They don't believe these spirits just inhabit places and objects and things and trees and vegetation. Okay? And people. Okay? Including dead people, which we'll get to. But also words. In fact, let me share with you classic animism in action. The problem is, it's in a church service. Watch this guy. I want to talk to you today about how your words become your reality. You are where you are today in part because of what you've been saying about yourself. Words are like seeds. When you speak something out, you give life to what you're saying. If you continue to say it, eventually that can become a reality. Whether you realize it or not, you are prophesying your future. Whether you realize it or not, Joel Osteen practices voodoo. Joel Osteen is practicing animism. This is occult stuff. You don't prophesy your own reality. Who do you think you are, God? Oh, I can, I can do these special formulas and read his books and I'll have this methodology to create my own future. No, you won't. Folks, this is animism, right? That is not from the scripture at all. The church, they don't call it animism. Of course, you can't do that. <laughs> You'll kind of freak people out and say, hey, it's, hey, it's warmed over voodoo. Today's sermon warmed over voodoo. It wouldn't work. No. So what they call it is it's word of faith. Oh, isn't that better? No, it's just animism. That's all it is, folks. But voodoo is all about animism. Now, that's the first part. Now, let's talk about their spirits. Okay, because what's the word vodun or voodoo mean? It means spirits. The whole thing's about spirits. Spirits behind everything. Spirits you can tap into. Spirits are in everything. Animism. And then the whole goal is to somehow get that to serve you and do what you want. Okay. All right. But at the center of voodoo, the cosmology, if you will, uh, is vodun or spirits that govern, they believe, the earth, the nature, humans, human society. They got a diff- There's all kinds of hierarchy. There's major, they believe, spirits that govern the forces of nature or human society. There's minor spirits. That's just about everything else you can think of. Uh, and again, at the center of it, of this whole belief, it's all about the spirit. Now, again, we say spirit, but what does the Bible call this? Demons. Right? So the whole thing, the whole goal, again, of voodoo, the word very voodoo means spirit, but really, let's translate it biblically for what it is. It means demons. The whole thing revolves around demons, demon contact, demon interaction, input, so-called advice from demons. And boy, if somehow you get infested with one of these things, it's great. In fact, here is a modern voodoo, calls herself a, a goddess, right? She says it's all about the spirit. And again, when you hear spirit, translate as demon. And listen to what she says. Our expression of the divine, of the unseen... Is called Vodum. Vodum is how we view the universe, how we view the interaction between matter and non matter. Nothing is free from non matter, from spirit. In Vodum, each person has their spirit. As a group, we have a spirit, all of us together. As a nation, we have a spirit. The tree has a spirit. The cat has a spirit. And Vodum teaches 
that if I really want to understand what's going on around me, what's going on in the world where I'm at, I must understand the spirit of things. In other words, I have to make connection with these spirits that are everywhere. But are they spirits? It's all demonic. The whole thing is wrapped around that practice concerning that. Okay? Now, let's break it down. Their belief system, right? the cosmology. They have what's called a uh, divine creator, right? Uh, and it is Mahu. Okay, if that's the correct pronunciation, I don't know, but I'm working with that. And this is a, quote, female being, right? And she's supposed to be an elder woman who's supposed to be gentle and forgiving. And, quote, she is seen as the God, this is a direct quote, the God who owns all other gods. Wait a second. God, by definition, is a supreme being, right? Which means he's all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present. And self-existent, right? So if you got more than one gods, then how can any of them be God? Because then who's, who's your depend? It's ridiculous. This is what we dealt with in great detail, even philosophically back in our Mormon study, because they believe that there can become gods and etc. You can't become a god. God, by definition, is self-existence. The fact that you had a birthday means you can never be a god because you got a beginning. God never has a beginning, right? But the ridiculousness of saying that there's multiple gods, right? It's impo- you can't. Either there's one god or there's nothing, right? But that's what she's supposed to be, the god of all the other gods, okay? Is this Mahu. She bore supposedly seven children or spirits. Uh, Sakpata, the Vodun, or the spirit of the earth. Uh, Zabisio, the spirit of the thunder. Uh, Agbi, the spirit of the sea. Gu, uh, the spirit of the iron and war. Uh, Age, the spirit of the agriculture and force. Jo, not to be confused with that place they, you're supposed to eat at. Uh, Vodun of the air. Uh, Legba, we're going to get to him in a second. Uh, the spirit of the unpredictable, rebellious, right? But the creator, Mahu, has a dual nature. So it's not only wrong because obviously it's completely unbiblical, uh, but it's female. But this female God has a dual nature. uh, And the first one is uh, Ma'u. Okay. And then the other one's Lisa, which actually is supposed to be, I know we think of a female, but it's supposed to be a male. Uh, But Ma'u is the moon and Lisa, the sun. And that's the female and male aspects and are considered the twin children of Ma'u. Okay. Uh, Lisa is the sun god who brings out the day and the heat, and Mawu is the moon goddess. And let's go back to this Legba guy that I mentioned. Okay, Legba. Okay, that's how you say it there, Legba. And uh, this guy, okay, is uh, represented by a large male body part. I'll just leave it at that. Obviously, I'm not showing any pictures of that. Uh, but if you go over there in any, including not just West Africa, if you go anywhere in the Caribbean. You go to their gift stores. They're all over the place. Including if you go on a cruise. I've seen it so many times, it's sick. You're just like, okay. whatever. And you think, oh, that's a weird, freaky, non-Christian thing to be. No, it's, it's a huge part of voodoo. It isn't just a sexual thing. It's a voodoo. This is Legba. That's how he's presented. Right, he's supposed to be the youngest son of Mawu, the moon goddess. He's considered this Legba guy, a chief of all Vodun uh, deities, uh, divinities, and he's believed to be. Watch this, and I quote: "A very old man who walks on crutches." 
well, why would I want to help from you, man? You've got some serious problem or whatever. Uh, and it is only through contact with Legba that you're able to contact the other gods. He's considered the guardian or the door of the spirits. Now, keep that in mind. So you got to go through this guy. Suppose you get to the other ones to do your thing to get them to serve you. Okay. There's another one called Dan. Dan is, and this stuff it just writes itself. Dan is Mawu's, what's called the androgynous son. And that's a fancy way of saying he uh, has both male and female characteristics. What does that sound like? And, I'll quote, is represented by, guess what? Rainbow serpent. Isn't that interesting? I wonder why these guys picked the rainbow. Interesting. Straight out of voodoo. Dan is supposed to bring balance and order and blah, 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 blah. All right. Now, there's communication with lesser spirits again. Uh, and they do it through, watch this. Here's how they do this, the whole thing. So that's the kind of cosmology. You got the big dog, female god, supposedly, who's in charge of the other gods. You got these uh, twin aspects of this god. Then you got some children of that. That's the go-between. Okay. And so then the whole contact is you got to go through this guy uh, to get to the other spirits that, that are in every single thing you can think of. And so and each one's got a different function with a different name, with a different ritual that you got to do to somehow get them to track you to do what you want to do. Again, this is just like witchcraft. Hello. And, and things of that nature. And so you do it through how? You do it through, quote, praying to the spirits, demons, animal sacrifice, lots of chickens and goats, and they even do dogs and things of that nature, and, quote, drum and dance, as we saw last time. That's a huge part. The whole point in the drumming and the dancing, man, is to get possessed by the loa or the spirits. Okay, but let's take a look at that again. <laughs> I was in Togo for a few weeks in February this year and when I got there I realized that this area was the birthplace of voodoo. Even though I'm not affiliated with any religion, I was always thinking of voodoo as something fascinating since it had sparked my imagination through the movies, but I literally didn't know anything about the reality of it. That is why I decided to attend a voodoo ceremony and see for myself. So first things first. Togo is a very small country of West Africa squeezed in between Benin to the east, Ghana to the west and Burkina Faso to the north. It is a francophone country which gained its independence from France in 1960 and it is one of the narrowest countries in the world because of its shape. Official language is French and official religion is Roman Catholic. It is also one of the poorest countries in the world. Is voodoo a religion? For which purposes do you use voodoo? Slowly, the ceremony was becoming more and more alive as people were arriving one after another. Everyone was in a really good mood and they started playing percussions, drums and singing their songs. 
there were also many ladies dancing on the rhythm of this music. Why are you playing music and dancing at the ceremony? And as the ceremony was progressing, something strange started happening. The same thing happened several times to different women as they got supposedly possessed by the voodoo spirits. More women were constantly around and helping them in any way possible in order that they will not harm themselves or other people. It wasn't an easy spectacle to watch and feel. Yeah, because what is he watching? These people are literally getting demon-possessed. And again, it wasn't just, okay, they did sacrifices and the fetishes and stuff like that. We'll get to that in a little bit. But what was the big major thing? He even admitted it. Why do you do the music and the dance? To get the spirits to come and then hopefully possess the people, right? I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but what if you change the name? And, uh, but basically brought in the same practice, but you slap some Christianese on it. Um, you know what I think it would look like? Probably like this church service. Watch this. Slowly, the ceremony was becoming more and more alive as people were arriving one after another. Everyone was in a really good mood and they started playing percussions, drums and singing their songs. And as the ceremony was progressing, something strange started happening. The same thing happened several times to different women as they got supposedly possessed by the voodoo spirits. More women were constantly around and helping them in any way possible in order that they will not harm themselves or other people. Hey, 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 listen, it's a new wave of the spirit of God. No, it's voodoo. And I don't doubt that these people are having a spiritual experience, but it doesn't mean it's the spirit of God. I don't even doubt there's something speaking through them. It doesn't make the spirit of God. I deliberately overlaid the voodoo track to that. It's the same thing, right? And we're the wackos. We're the ones looked down upon. Oh, you just don't know how God's spirit in the life. Whatever. I got a theory. It goes like this. If it walks like voodoo, dances like voodoo, and acts like voodoo, and connects with spirits like voodoo, it's probably voodoo. You can slap Christianese all you want, man, but that's exactly what you're dealing with here. But let's get back to the spirits. Again, the Loa. If there's major deities, and they're in everything. They're in countries. They're in this. They're in trees. They're all this. And they all got a name, every single one. They literally itemize every little function, every little thing, right? Let me give you a couple more. There's uh, Ida Wido, the rainbow spirit. You got uh, Asia, the protector spirit. Uh, Baca, the evil spirit. Uh, Baron Samidi, the guardian of the grave or death. Dumbala, the serpent soul. The Erinle, the soul of the forest. The uh, Urzuli, that has domain over love. There's uh, Azili, 
uh, the feminine soul of love. Maulisa, the soul of protection. Agubalanjo, soul of recovery. Ogun, the soul of warfare. Osun, the soul of recovery stream. Sango or Shango, soul of storms. Uh, Yamanja, a uh, female, uh, feminine soul of water, and Zaka or Oko, the soul of technology. They, I mean, everything. It's got some spirit behind it, some name, and you got to go through some ritual to get what you want from that particular one. Wait a second. Talk about relabeling voodoo practices. What if I took this labeling, I mean, literally individualizing every single voodoo spirit you can think of, demon, right? And give it a function that if I can tap into it, then it'll give me this. What if I relabeled it as a, no, it's not a, it's not a demon, it's not a voodoo spirit. What if I called it a saint and did the same thing? That's what Catholicism does. And if you don't believe me, let me just rip through a couple of these. We dealt with this in massive detail in our Catholicism study. And I quote, it's just, it's not a loa, it's not a demon, it's not a spirit, it's not voodoo. No, it's a saint. <laughs> it's the same premise. You tap into them. Oh, by the way, a saint is a what? A saint in the biblical sense, hagias, means holy one. It's anybody who's a born-again Christian. A saint is not a dead person who was a Catholic, and then later a Catholic council said, you're great, and you did a miracle, and we're going to saint you. That's what they teach. That's not what the Bible teaches. right? And by the way, by definition of a saint in the Catholic Church, as they know it, which is unbiblical, it's a what? It's a dead person. Are we supposed to try to communicate with the dead? Do we appeal to the dead for anything? That's what voodoo does, but that's what they do. But see, you can't call it voodoo. You can't call it a demon. You can't call it a voodoo spirit. It's a saint. But it's the exact same practice. Every little thing you can think of is available if you could just tap into, not this demon, no, that's too hard, but a saint. And I quote, you got St. Andrew, and this is their own list. And again, I'm just going to rip through some of them. I could be here, I'm not joking, for at least an hour or two, just ripping through everything you think of is itemized. You got St. Adrian, if you're a butcher, uh, a guard or soldier or an arms dealer. You got St. Agatha for bakers, bell making, and nurses. St. Alexander for charcoal burners. You got uh, St. Amon for bartenders, brewers, innkeepers, merchants, and vine growers. You got St. Ambrose handles beekeepers, beggars, candle makers, wax melters, and refiners. St. Anastasia deals with weavers, healers, martyrs, and exorcists. Uh, St. Andrew, of course, is a, for fishermen. St. Anne's for miners, mothers, equestrians, cabinet makers, homemakers, stablemen. I'm not making this up. And I quote, French Canadian voyagers. I got one for everyone. St. Anthony, if you misplaced an item or a lost person or a woman seeking a husband. St. Antipas and St. Apollyon for dentists. Okay. Augustine of Hippo helps printers. St. Augustine is for not just brewers. This was funny, but also for theologians. I wonder where they came up with this idea. That's unbiblical. Uh, you got St. Barbara is for military engineers and firemen and Italian Marines. Woo! St. Bartholomew is handy for tanners, trappers, and couriers. Other occupations covered by various Catholic saints, they teach are hospital administrators, Italian prison officers, nursing mothers, farmers, farmhands, bridge builders, uh, pawnbrokers, believe it or not, bankers, advertisers, mountaineers, skiers, dairy workers, and I quote, unemployed gamblers. <laughs> that is, I'm not joking, St. Katajan, however you spell it, K-A-G-E-T-N, covers that. Um, anyway. Other saints include for stenographers, school teachers, secretaries, musicians, psychiatrists, surfer, pilot, theater performer, goldsmith, marble worker, motorcyclist, doctor, saddle maker, undertaker, astronomer, florist, or horticulturist. You got St. Edwards for kings, St. Elgius for jewelers, mechanics, and taxi drivers, pyrotechnicians, got one, St. Erasmus, St. Uh, uh, Eustachius for hunters and trappers, and there's saints for, I'm not joking, pig keepers. That is St. Malo. 
So you, I'm thinking if you combine St. Malo, the pig guy, with that charcoal guy, <laughs> maybe you finally get something good out of this. I don't know. All right. And I'm not joking. This is, this is one. They got other things for bookkeepers, custom agents, plumbers, paratroopers, security officers, and I kid you not, and I quote, law, lawyers in Paris bars. Talk about getting specific. But that would be St. Nicholas. It's going to help you out. But that's just employment. You see, you connect with these demons. I mean, spirits. I mean, voodoo spirits. I mean, no, I mean saints. So you could also get a healing. Is what they teach, just like voodoo. You got supposed saints for sterile women, those who are blind or lame, who've run in with a, had to run in with poisonous reptile, who suffer from colic or breast cancer or a headache. Uh, and there's a saint for a bubonic plague, misfortunes. Uh, there's a Saint Albinus. Okay, now, now listen. This one, I just want you to put this in your back pocket, just in case. Because this one only gets one, one thing it gets to do, apparently. I mean, you saw the other ones? Man, they're, they're loaded up. They got like five or six responsibilities or more. It's like, but this one, this St. Albinus, I'm not joking, man. He's got one specialty. Here you go, just in case it happens to you. St. Albinus is your personal, dedicated, 24-7 saint in case of a... Pirate attack. <laughs> what? What? Oh, but don't forget, you got snakes for, uh, 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 saints for uh, fire, snakes, snake bites, demon possession, mental illness, poisonous, wild beasts, uh, and, quote, St. Andrew Villino, if you're experiencing sudden death. First of all, last time I checked, St. Andy's dead. And if you had a sudden death, you're dead. But hey, don't forget to buy this trinket for $19.99. Uh, stick it on your mantle like a voodoo paraphernalia. You can also count on these spirits, I mean saints, in the events of riots, civil disorder, missing people, lost things, epilepsy, gout, toothache, kidnapping, deafness, sore eyes, cattle diseases, chest problems, lung problems, ailments of the throat, horse theft and sick horses, childhood diseases, motorcycle, uh, bicycle accidents, rabies, pandemics, earthquakes, and I'm not joking, if you suffer from procrastination, now watch this. I'm not making this up. This is a direct quote. Procrastination, you know who it is? Saint Expeditus. <laughs> You're just making this stuff up, man. Come on. Are you serious? Now, lest you think that this is not like voodoo, because it is. This is why the two slide together so wonderfully. It's all come from the same source. We don't pray to dead people. But of course, Catholicism, you can't call it, you know, voodoo, demons, whatever, you have to slap Christianese on, like Joel Olstein does. It's a word of faith. No, it's animism. Right? But if you don't think, then let me get into this next practice of voodoo. Right? Now, in part of the ritual, one of the things that you want to do when you start the ritual is you got to bring in, you got to draw it or bring it in. It's called aviv. Okay? Aviv uh, is basically what we saw in our witchcraft study. Okay? They call it a sigil. In witchcraft, and basically, it is a pattern. It is a picture that depicts uh, that particular uh, spirit. And again, witchcraft we call them sigils. As you can see, each particular sigil is supposed to represent a particular demon that's given with a specific function. Again, what does that sound like? The whole saints thing. But this is what voodoo calls it. They don't call it a sigil. They call it a vive. Okay, let me give you some examples. And again, it slides right into Catholicism. Right? The first one, I'll just give you five examples real quick. Agwe. Agwe is supposed to be, this is Agwe's vive, or sigil, if you will. It's supposed to be a water spirit 
who has a particular interest to seafaring people, such as fishermen, and obviously the beeve is represented by what? By a boat, okay? And I quote, this is a secular article, and I quote, it's also, Agway is associated, it has an associated, quote, Catholic saint, St. Ulrich, who's also depicted holding a fish. It's the same thing. They all slide together. It's one and the same, right? Praying to dead people, I mean saints, it's the same thing as praying to these voodoo saints. Oh, and do they have any kind of caricatures that are supposed to represent the saint as well? Could be figurines, could be pictures on the block, and they, you know, spiritually, you go into somebody that's into that heavy-duty false teaching, and they're all over their house, just like voodoo people would have these beads all over and the paraphernalia and the fetishes, it's the same thing. Let me give you another one. Uh, Dambala Wido is depicted as a serpent or a snake. Shocker. Okay. And uh, when he possesses a human, he does not speak. But instead, watch this. He only, so he, when he, as soon as he possesses somebody, here's what happens. The person starts hissing like a snake, whistling, makes snake-like movements, slithering on the ground, flicking their tongue, climbing on objects. You ever seen church services like that? Wonder what kind of spirit it is. It ain't the spirit of God. And I quote, he's also associated with a Catholic saint, St. Patrick, who also drove out the snakes in Ireland. Right? Let me give you another one. Ogum. Uh, it's supposed to be associated with fire, blacksmithing, and metalworking. Uh, he's transformed over the years to include power, warriors, politics. Uh, he's particularly likes the machete, and that's a common thing that they have in their uh, ritual and things of that nature. And the associated, quote, Catholic saint is St. James the Greater or St. George. Let me just give you two more. You get the idea. Grand Bois, uh, this guy, this is his vive, this demon, means big tree. He's the master of the forest associated with trees and plants, okay, and herbalism. And he's the master of the wilderness, right? And uh, the associated Catholic saint is St. Sebastian, who was tied to a tree, okay, before being shot with arrows. So they all slide all together. And then that legba guy that we saw, also known as Papa Legba, uh, he's, again, watch this. They, remember, he was the gatekeeper to the world. You've got to go through this guy in order to get to the spirits, the demons. Rituals begin with a prayer to Legba to open up the gate so that the participants can gain access to the other lows or spirits, right? He's considered a roll to the bridge between realms. Watch this. The associated Catholic saint is St. Peter, who holds the keys to the gate of heaven. It all fits in just like hand and glove. You know why? Because it's the same thing. They just don't call it demon spirits or vodun, but it's the same thing. They just call it saints. It's unbiblical all the way, through and through. All right? Now, let's get into this practice, ancestor worship. So we saw the animism aspect of this. And again, this is West Africa where it all began. Then it began to spread. We'll get to that later, Lord Wine. Then we saw the, the uh, animism. We saw the spirits behind it. That's what it all means. And then ancestor worship. Right? Because, again, they not only want to connect, the whole goal is to connect not just with this animistic, these spirits that are in everywhere, demons, but it's also dead people. And those dead people, they believe, are people who passed on specifically their ancestors, hence ancestor worship. Now, it's also known ancestor worship by veneration of the dead or the cult of the dead. And it's a belief based on that they're still around. You're supposed to be doing this to show honor and love to them, okay, which is fine. But I don't expect them, and I don't want them to pop up, and they can't pop up because you're dead. You're in heaven. You're in heaven. You're in hell. You're in hell. And you ain't coming back, right? But uh, but they, they want to basically bring back, and they believe that these dead people are going to give them favor, and again, 
all the things of that nature. Now, shocker, Disney once again picked a cartoon to uh, encourage this behavior, but this is basically ancestor worship. It's an abomination to God, but again, that's what Disney does. They go and find a country that has an occult practice, they make a cartoon of it, and that's been their standard for decades. Okay, uh, ancestor worship uh, is related to beliefs that the dead have a continued existence, like the saints, dead people, and they're supposed to have uh, possess the ability to influence the fortune of the living. What's that? Back to the saints. It isn't just saints have different duties, right? Just like the voodoo spirits have different duties. The whole premise is you're contacting a dead person who's going to do something nice for you. What is that? That's the Catholic saints again, right? So you not only connect to the lower or the demons through dances, sacrifices, fetishes, and various reasons, but you also connect to dead people in voodoo, okay, so that they could do something for you or you could do something for them. And I quote, Certain religions, secular research, certain religions in particular, the Roman Catholic Church, also venerate the dead, saints, and they consider them as intercessors, and they believe that you can help them, okay, uh, and uh, their departed souls in purgatory, right? Which is another false teaching. There is no such place as purgatory. Second Corinthians 5.8 says, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. If you're not a Christian, you go straight into hell. There is no limbo. There is no purgatory. They base it on an unbiblical book called the Second Maccabees. Their Bible is not the same as our Bible, and they did it purposely to draw a distinction from the Protestant Bible, right? Maccabees, and, uh, first and second Maccabees, was rejected along with the other ones that they have in their scripture for good reasons, right? Because they contain heresy, and God doesn't get things wrong. But they put them in there to justify many of their false teachings, including purgatory, right? And they believe that there's a mythical place that you go to, right, when you die, and uh, you go there to purge in this place of suffering, purge, purgatory, place of purge, suffering, you purge your sins, and then after all that suffering for who knows, could be a thousand years, uh, you, you can get out of there. And so Catholicism not only teaches that wrongly, but they also say this, you could pray for these dead people and shave off time in purgatory. Not only that, if you really want to shave off time, and I'm not joking, we dealt with this in our Catholic state, they still do this to this day. If you give the priest money and ask him, you're really going to shave off some time for those dead people, right? That's what they still believe. Oh, come on. That, that's old Catholic. They don't teach that today. And I quote, this is a video from the Catholic channel. This is their own teaching. You tell me if they don't interact with dead people and say that they can pray to them, not only for favor, but they can shave off time in this biblical untruth called purgatory. Watch this. Welcome to Why Do Catholics, the series where we give you the scoop on Catholicism. My name's Olivia, and today's episode, I'm going to talk about why Catholics pray for those who have died. Have you ever been to a Catholic funeral? You've probably noticed that Catholics pray for the dead, but why? The church teaches that we can help those in purgatory enter heaven sooner by praying for them. If you'd like to help the holy souls in purgatory, offer prayers, sacrifices to God on their behalf. Even the small prayers and sacrifices when offered through love can have great merit in God's eyes. You never know how many souls you'll have helped through prayer. In fact, once they enter heaven, they may be even praying for you. You know, like in voodoo. That's all this is, folks. And I quote, another goal in ancestor worship, are you speaking to demons, in voodoo is to ensure the ancestors' continued well-being 
and positive dispositions towards the living and sometimes to ask them for special favors or assistance. That's voodoo. All they did was change the name. Voodoo prays to the dead and for the dead. Catholics pray to the dead and for the dead. They just change the name. What did God say? You're doomed. You're headed for judgment. In fact, there's another Babylon the Bible talks about, the one world religion harlot, that I think Catholicism, the Pope, and the Vatican are a big part of. And they're going to be left behind because they don't trust Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. It's a works-based false gospel, which means you're going to be left behind like anybody else. Okay? And read uh, Revelation 17, 18. They are doomed. They are doomed because they're involved in this stuff. Now, let's finish it up with the other uh, practice rituals. Oh, oh, hey, wait a second. What's going on there? Do you mean that they also have candles and offer things to their deities and things that like voodoo does? Oh, and I quote, ancestor veneration is, is prevalent in Africa. Prayers and or sacrifices are usually offered to the ancestors who, listen, these ancestors may ascend to become a kind of minor deity themselves. You know, like Catholicism has turned Mary into. Isn't this wild? It's crazy. All right, well, let's get to the rituals, all right? Uh, voodoo or Bodun worship follows various dialects, spirits, practices, songs, and rituals. The ritual language is called langage, however you pronounce that, L-A-N-G-A-J, derives from the Fon language in West Africa, again, where all this came from. They have a calendar of events. Now watch this one, right? All right they don't just, hey, what do we do today, Bob? I don't know, let's go, let's do some voodoo. You want to do some voodoo? There's a calendar, literally. Remember, they have voodoo holiday, it's a bank holiday and all that stuff. But they got their own holiday, and I quote, a calendar of ritual feasts synchronized with the Roman Catholic calendar provides a yearly cycle for voodoo practices. Shocker. For, for instance, uh, Ogu, the demon spirit, demon, uh, Obodu for voodoo, uh, they worship Ogu and do that on St. James Day, July 25th. Uh, Elzili Danto is on the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, July 16th. Dambala is on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. Watch this. The spirits of ancestors. You got to worship the, the dead, the veneration of the dead, the cult of the dead. In voodoo, they do it on All Saints Day, All Souls Day, November 1st and 2nd, which follows October 31st, known as Halloween, which we saw in our witchcraft study. Halloween came from All Hallows' Eve, which was from Catholicism, right, to hallow the dead, meaning saints. And basically, Halloween, as we know it, was Catholicized, and they still follow the same thing. Instead of praying to the dead, right, uh, because they believed in the witchcraft calendar, on that date, October 31st, was the start of the witchcraft calendar, but it was also believed that was when the veil between the two worlds was the thinnest. And so then you had spirits coming back and forth, and then that's way uh, Catholicism, they couldn't change it, so they Catholicized it. Right, and then it became oh we're not we're going around not intermingling with demons or spirits. It's the saints, and that if you give us a sweet treat, then we will pray for your loved one in purgatory, which the candle in the thing is representing. Remember that? It's the same thing, right? So it all slides together. Okay, just like witches have a yearly calendar, just like Catholicism has a yearly calendar, so voodoo has a yearly calendar, 
it all squishes all together. Now, let's get to other aspects. So that's ritual. What do they do? Well, they do it in a ritual temple. Uh, the ritual temple uh, is called a hunfor. Uh, you're going to see one here in a little bit. Some of them are elaborate. Some are like a little huts. Some of them are like animal shapes and all things of that nature. At the center of the temple is what's called the uh, patu matan. It's a big rod, kind of like you would see a shamanism a totem pole, right? but it's a big rod that they have, and they'll put all kinds of stuff like you saw in that picture with the Catholics and candles and all kinds of stuff around it and whatever. Uh, then they'll have practices. So, okay, so they're in the temple. They got their little rod thing going on. Uh, and so what do they do? Well, first they, they bring out the, the vive, right? Because the vive is, okay, what do you want to do? What do you want? Well, I want this. Well, okay, then we need to get this beeve for this spirit to do it just like the Catholic saint thing, right? So they bring out the beeve. Then they usually will sprinkle on the floor cornmeal uh, and things of that nature. Then there will be, quote, violent shaking of drums, chanting, and stomping to produce a trance for the participants because the goal is uh, possession. Tribal dances followed by spiritual possession, okay, a lot of these are oversawn by the hungun or the mambos we saw last time, the male or female priestess. They will have then a live animal sacrifice, a goat, sheep, dogs, other similar species. The blood from the slain animals will be collected in a vessel, drunk by the practitioners. They'll have a feast. They'll also use voodoo dolls that are dedicated to a specific low or demon spirit, kind of like the saints. It's a whole other aspect of figurines, right? And things of that nature. But let me show you. Here's, here's a typical ritual. In fact, this particular one in West Africa was the first time that it was ever filmed uh, by a Westerner. But watch this. Voodoo is a state religion in the West African country of Benin. And it's practiced in various forms across the region. And from here, it's spread throughout the world. It's very much a living religion with elaborate temples, priests, family and household shrines, ceremonies, and masquerades. Voodoo contains multiple deities and spirits that are believed to be active on a daily basis and require regular offerings of food, alcohol, and the fresh blood of animals such as chickens or goats. The idea behind those sacrifices is that to give up something that's important to you, well, that will certainly grab the attention of the gods. I am fascinated by this religion, and I wanted to learn more about how voodoo is practiced in this region. And the best way to get a glimpse of this colorful and vibrant religion is, of course, to go directly to the temples. So I bet you're asking why the person who created this temple shaped it like a chameleon. Well, in voodoo, chameleons are the symbol of confidence. They represent God here on earth. And that belief isn't just for the people who practice voodoo here. Practitioners of voodoo from all across the world recognize the divinity of the chameleon. All around the grounds here are these little buildings that are called spirit houses or prayer houses. And they are just big enough for one or two people to worship in solitude. And, well, a few chickens, I suppose. Knowing that I was about to witness something that may be the most extraordinary thing I ever saw, we later learned that we were the first Westerners ever to be invited inside the building during a ceremony, let alone to film it. 
Shoes off? Yes. Shoes off? Okay. I'm going down in, go down in. Yeah. Shoes off before you go in the temple. the benches there? It's almost like a church service. wonder where they got that idea from. Interesting. But that's just part of it. That's kind of the ritual. That's a temple uh, where they do the thing, you know. And so here comes Catholicism with their temples and got their benches and kind of just squeeze it all together. They also have what's uh, considered these things. It's called a gris-gris. Lord willing, once we hop over to America... Uh, the term that we would use for this would be a mojo, mojo bag. And this is uh, uh, called Gris Gris, also Grigri, also uh, spelled G-R-I-G-R-I, so Grigri or Gregory. Uh, it's a voodoo amulet, and they believe that with this thing you can uh, have protection uh, or ward off evil or supposed to bring you good luck. It's a small cloth bag, as you can see, uh, and, and inside the ingredients are typically inscribed verses from an African ancestor or a ritual number of objects uh, worn by the person, etc. And you're supposed to carry that around for you for protection and good luck, things of that nature. You have ritual herbs, as we saw last time. That's the fetish market, right? All just because you got to have all these items. And with the uh, uh, herbs, watch this. Uh, they use them to supposedly cure the sick and even, quote, poison their enemies. And so my theory, they obviously use chicken as an ingredient. <laughs> and my theory is that's what the colonel did, folks. He took a piece of chicken with these voodoo herbs. He shook it up, and the rest is history. We should close in prayer, but I need to finish this out. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, they also ask for offerings such as the chicken and sheep, uh, their sacrifice. Again, alcohol is poured on the floor, things of that nature. Uh, and why do they do the rituals? Well, again, it's to serve you. You got to contact this demon, this spirit, I mean, this saint, I mean, this, and then it's supposed to help you. And a quote, supposedly be cured of a disease, find a job, get money, complete a business deal, find a spouse, have a child, etc., etc. But again, the herbs, they got fetishes, and they also are big on potions. you got to mix and match these things, just like in witchcraft. And I quote, I thought this was funny. They said, <clears throat> you're saying, man, this is getting complicated. you got to add this. you got to get the beef. you got to do all this stuff. And they said, listen, communicating with the spirits isn't a simple case of telling the operator, call Shango and go. I guess that's voodoo humor. I don't know. And, uh, but anyway, yes, you can use dances, sacrifices, herbs, amulets, alcohol, gris gris, but... They also, the demons are invoked, spirits are invoked using a fetish or a object that each spirit is associated with. So again, each spirit has an object it's associated with, it has a symbol it's associated with, it has a specific function, and again, 
What does that sound like? But they also prepare potions. It's a specific uh, mix of liquid and power and debris. And again, it could be ingested. It could be applied. It could be burned uh, if necessary. The ingredients are whatever they got at the fetish market. We saw last time. It's everything. Animal bones, skulls, live animals, chickens, reptiles, furs, feathers, you name it. Uh, they can also do a poultice and things of that nature. But it's own, no, known only the ingredients and the concoction for whatever you're trying to get is known only to the Vodun priest, and it's shrouded in mystery, okay? Uh, each recipe is made for a specific job at hand. For example, a love potion would involve a whole different set of ingredients than a potion to ensure safe passage for an upcoming journey. And today, you're thinking, okay, uh, why are people doing this? I read some common ones, but here is today, still being practiced today, what are the top reasons why people go through all these rituals, all these herbs, all these dances, all this possession, all this hooking up with the, the priestess and the priests, all the temple stuff, all that stuff. Why are they doing this? And I quote, to, quote, ensure exam success, to have children and find love in that order. So let's get into the cult to make sure I get an A on that test. That's their culture. But we don't have schools today teaching occult stuff. And it's crazy. And then I got to close with this, okay? Because rituals. They actually had rituals, believe it or not, that was supposed to protect and serve, okay? And uh, let's take a look at that. They're called Zangbeto, Z-A-N-G-B-E-T-O. And they were the, quote, traditional voodoo guardians of the night, okay? And they were patrolling the streets in outfits that resemble haystacks. And they go, what, what's doing that? Well, it's a spiritual ritual that they do. Okay, and basically, let me give you a vernacular. Uh, these guys were the early police force. <coughs> and I quote, these zangbados that resemble haystacks uh, were the, quote, primary law enforcement until the establishment of official law order. But they still use them today. So let's take a look at their early police force looking like a haystack. Let's take a look at this one. <laughs> Quand on sait bien qu'il y a beaucoup de gens qui disent que pas bon. Moi, moi, c'est un vaudou, il est très bon. Pas un vaudou, il fait des bien choses, il fait des bonnes choses. Vous voyez, non Elle fait tellement de choses. Si tu as un cœur ouvert là, elle dit, va chez lui, tu vas quelque chose là, tu donnes ça. Ça, c'est forcé. C'est comme l'église, c'est notre église. C'est leur church Why would you use that terminology What do these countries consider themselves? Roman Catholics. It all merges together. But back to the haystack guys. Is it just me or do those guys look like Cousin Ed? <laughs> I don't know where they got the inspiration from. Yeah, poison is right there, you little critter. 
Okay. Uh, but that's West Africa. That's where it all began. Now, as I mentioned before, how did it go from there? Well, unfortunately, here comes an evil practice called slavery. And that was a big part. It wasn't just getting slaves from Africa. That wasn't the only part, but that was a big part. And then once they brought them over to the Caribbean, then it eventually made to America. And that's where it began to spread. So Lord willing, uh, next time we're going to trace that trail of where it went next. But let's well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven. I need a savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place 
so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row, it's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive his pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what he was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth he is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the grave, and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.